Jimmy Murphy, Pierre Maguire here on the iTest on the Sick Podcast Network. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The iTest with Pierre Maguire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The sickest NHL podcast. It's going to be sick. Hey, Jimmy Murphy, Pierre Maguire here back for episode two. And man, I, I feel like it's going to be a month from now and it's going to fly by, Pierre. We're, we'll be on episode 30 or whatever. But uh, I'll tell you, great feedback on the first episode. Really appreciate all the compliments everybody sent out via text, social media. I know people came up to you at the Hall of Fame as well, Pierre. Uh, what was that experience like, by the way? Phenomenal experience at the Hall of Fame. That's never boring, Jimmy. I have to tell you right now. And what an amazing class and the, the array of speeches and the messaging, whether it was Ken Hitchcock or, uh, you know, Carolyn Ouellette. And, and you look at Pierre Turgeon, the eloquent speech that he gave, uh, Mike Vernon and the passion for family. You can go down the line. Tommy Barrasso, I thought, really uh, was phenomenal. Um, it's, you know, it's amazing to be there and be surrounded by all that greatness. It really is a special a night for the hall and for the inductees. And it's something you really never forget. Yeah. And, you know, look, as, as they tell us sometimes with writing as well, you want to keep it short and sweet, but you got to get, you got to get your emotion in there as well. And I, I, I watched those speeches and you could tell how heartfelt it was. It wasn't something that would, of course, they've got the notes down in front of them here. You have to, but like, I just, I, I love the feeling I got from them of appreciation of understanding not just how lucky they are to be going into the Hall of Fame, but how lucky they are to be part of the game of hockey. That That's that's the gist I got. I don't know about you. Oh, 100%. And the one that I really uh, appreciated a lot, Tommy Barrasso and everything that he's gone through with his family, especially with the cancer scares that they've had over time. <laughs> and uh, I thought Tommy really exposed himself in an emotional way that most of his teammates probably had never seen before. Most right. fans had never seen before, and, and I think it was eye-opening to show the character that, that Tommy really has possessed throughout his entire career. He played 19 years in the NHL, Jimmy. I don't think people really realize how long a career Tommy Barrasso had, and it was a spectacular career. I was fortunate enough to have a pretty good seat for the 91 and 92 Stanley Cup wins in Pittsburgh, but you look at the whole body of work, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and, you know, I, I got to say, Pierre, I, I just remember always kind of – and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's a compliment. I always felt bad a bit for Tommy Barrasso and Grant Fjord because just the teams in front of them, people kind of forgot about the job they were doing. And I mean, if not for them, then not necessarily get all those cups, those two teams. So, you know, it's nice to see these guys get appreciated. And it's great that you'll be talking so much about goaltending because that's one of the big things we're going to do on the eye test today. We're going to talk about some goaltending. Good segue into that. And, of course, it's a different era for sure, goaltending right now, Pierre. And we've been talking about it off the air here. We're going to get into that. And, look, you know, we look at the Boston Bruins. You, you touched on it a bit the other day in, in the first episode and, and the tandem they've had and the success they've had. And one thing that we really didn't get into wasn't just about tandems, but just how much it seems to me like it. And I think the salary cap plays a role. Uh, goaltending is being undervalued right now, underappreciated. And I want the listeners to hear this quote right now. This is Jim Montgomery after another great performance from one of his goaltenders, Linus Allmark, in Buffalo against his old team, the Sabres, 32 saves and a 5-2 win uh, for the Boston Bruins. 
Listen to what he has to say about what goaltending is meant to his team. Well, it's a singular reason why we have the record we have is because of our goaltenders. Like, we're still giving up way too much. Even tonight in the last 30 minutes, we gave up way too much off the rush. And that's an area that we significantly have to improve. They're hiding or masking how poor we are right now at defending the rush. So you see, Pierre, I mean, right there, he says it. Like, look, the Bruins are having their struggles, right? But, you know, their record, but more so the goaltending they've gotten from Swayman and Almark has kind of hidden those struggles and, and, and hidden their deficiencies right now. And, I, you know, I see so many around Boston. I hear it on the radio. I see it on TV here. I see it on Twitter. Trade Almark. Trade Almark. We don't need him. What more do they need than to hear Jim Montgomery say that, that they do need him and they do need this tandem? Well, the old days of Patrick Waugh playing 10 years of 61 or more starts, they're long gone. Marty Brodeur, 12 straight years of 67 or more starts, those days don't exist anymore, Jimmy. So it's really important to have a strong tandem. And when you look at the Bruins with, you know, Jeremy Swayman, he's been phenomenal. You look at Linus Olmark and what he's been able to do. Um, they've been tremendous, not just this year. It's not a one-hit wonder. They were good last year as well but when the Bruins were setting all kinds of records for NHL wins. To me, the biggest thing is keeping guys fresh and energized. Mm-hmm. And the Bruins' power play is as good as it used to be, so that's going to be something that's going to lead to more tight games. And the Bruins obviously have been tremendous on the penalty kill, but a big part of your penalty kill is your goaltending. So exactly. when you look at it, if you don't have and maintain that great goaltending, and overcome a little bit about your power play deficiency, you're going to have a lot of one-goal losses. But right now the Bruins are getting a lot of wins because they do have elite goaltending, Jimmy. Yeah, and there's other teams too, Pierre. Let's not forget the Vegas Golden Knights. you got Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill there, Uh, even the Panthers. I know it's mostly going to Bobrovsky there, but they've done all right. I think the Rangers, though, I think the Rangers and the Knights are probably the best parallels to the Bruins right now. And you brought this up on the Rangers, Pierre. Look at the start. That one Jonathan Quick has had, he has resurrected his career in New York right now. People didn't want him there. He had a horrible preseason. They were saying, cut him, get somebody else. He's come out and been huge for them. And I think that's really helping Shesterkin. There's no question about it. No, obviously, Shesterkin's been dealing with an injury as well. So the fact that you've had Jonathan Quick there and Louis Domingue, who's coming in as a 30-year-old player who's doing pretty darn well. But, Jimmy, you know, you look at the tandems in the league, and we talked about it, obviously, with the Bruins, I think, having the best tandem with Swayman and Allmark. And you talked about Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. you got to give credit where credit's due. And we talked about this show being the eye test. Yep. Kelly McCrimmon knew Aiden Hill because of his time with the Portland Winterhawks. He was a great goaltender in the Western Hockey League. Logan Thompson was a player that was never drafted, comes out of the Brandon Wheat Kings organization where Kelly McCrimmon was one of the owners. He was basically the emperor of Brandon. So you've got two players that passed the eye test for the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. Then if you look at another great tandem, John Gibson in Anaheim, Lucas Dostal in Anaheim, Jimmy, those two guys have been great. If the playoffs started today, Anaheim would be in. And then finally, the last one, how about Vancouver? I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later. Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Let's get real here. These guys have been phenomenal. So the numbers speak to it, and it's not just the numbers. The eye test speaks to it too, Jimmy. And all these goaltending tanners have really helped their organizations thrive through the first 15 to 17 games of the NHL season. For sure. And I, I want to mention Sean Burke too, you know, with Vegas. I mean, the oh, job thanks. he's done there. 
Oh, it's been amazing. And I, I think he had Hill before too, right? In Arizona, was he not? Yeah, well, that's really well said. And that's a really good yeah. point. And so if we're going to give credit where credit's due, I want to give a little of Bobby Essence in Boston. I oh, mean, yeah. Bobby doesn't get nearly enough credit. They have an amazing staff. Obviously, Jimmy Montgomery has done a phenomenal job. And Chris Kelly, uh, Joe Sacco, those guys are tremendous hockey people. They were really good players. They're great hockey coaches. And Jimmy's been outstanding as a head coach. But Bobby Essence, he'd been there a long time. And three he coaches. Never, he's he lasted never really three. gets a whole lot of love. Yeah, he never really gets a whole lot of love. And so, just to show you, I think I had hair when Bobby was playing for Michigan State. <laughs> yeah. And and I remember using him in the old uh, Sega Genesis hockey pier that was so popular when I was in high school. Yeah, uh, NHL hockey. Uh, that, that thing's advanced by now. But um, you know, you bring up. Let's go to Vancouver there because we will get into them. But I want to talk a little more about Demko there, and I, I want to give the Canucks a lot of credit for sticking to their guns with him because he had an off year last year. He was hurt, but still it, you know, people were starting to question, is he as advertised? Is this the kid that they thought they were getting? There was a lot of question marks about him coming in the off season and then into this season. And he silenced them all. And I know Pierre, you watched him closely when he was at Boston college, you know, the star this kid could be and he's becoming now. I watched him at Boston College. I watched him represent the United States at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Know him very well. Comes from an amazingly uh, talented athletic family, both mother and father. Um, the thing that I like about Vancouver's setup, their president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford, he was a pretty good goalie when he played. Yep. And their goalie coach, Ian Clarks, had, we talk about Bobby Essence, uh, Ian Clarks had an amazing tenure in Columbus and in Vancouver. He's been around the National Hockey League for a long time. So the goaltending is great. The tandems matter. The coaching matters too, Jimmy. But you're right about Thatcher Demko. And I think there's a little relief for Thatcher knowing that he doesn't always have to carry the ball. Casey mm -hmm. dismissed an amazing story and a really honorable guy, great teammate, and I would say a phenomenal running mate for Thatcher Demko. Yeah, I remember you talking about the Smith a couple of years back, man. Another guy not drafted and – that's, you know, this is, these are the guys you see, Pierre, because you're always around the rinks. You're watching a lot of college hockey and great scouting by them to, to bring him back. Obviously, they had the Pittsburgh connection there. Uh, but let's get into the Canucks right now, Pierre. Let, let's talk about them as a whole. And obviously, I would say the biggest, best, well, no, they can't, I don't know. There's been a lot of them so far, and Anaheim could go in there too. Let's just say one of the top three pleasant surprises of this season are the Vancouver Canucks. And you're very familiar with their head coach there, Rick Tockett. Uh, you know, Pierre, it's not so long ago that a lot of people are writing Rick Tockett off as a coach. Let's talk about the way he's come back and established himself in Vancouver. Yeah, people were not very friendly when Rick got the job. I think you remember some of the columns that were written and some of the question marks that some of the pundits on television and radio had about Rick's appointment. Well, first of all, it's a sense of familiarity Patrick Alvin, the great young general manager in Vancouver, he knew Rick's body of work from Pittsburgh. So did Jimmy Rutherford. Rick was there for the two Stanley Cups as an assistant coach to Mike Sullivan, and he did yeoman's work. That was not an easy situation. You know, when you win, everybody's smiling, hugging, and kissing. But there's a lot that goes into it. Um, Rick also won a Stanley Cup. Obviously, he's a player in 1992 in Pittsburgh, Jimmy, and he was a really important part of it. But what I like is who he surrounded himself with. You know, we talk about these great coaching staffs. Adam Foote's a tremendous teacher on defense. And when you look at the development of some of their defensemen there in Vancouver, 
Adam Foote plays a pretty significant role, Jimmy. And then you look at Mike Yo. Mike Yo's won a Stanley Cup as a coach in Pittsburgh. He's been a very competitive head coach in the National Hockey League. Rick wasn't afraid to keep him on the staff. Uh, I think that's fantastic. But this is the key one that I love. They go deep, they go into the well, and they bring in Sergei Gonchar. So Sergei's there to help develop their young defensemen. So you look at Carson Susie. Look at the start that Quinn Hughes has had. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows about his offense, Jimmy, but what about his defense? It's so much better this year. And Sergey, those were the question marks. When Sergey Gonchar broke into the North American pro hockey scene, I watched him play for Barry Trotz in Portland. He mm-hmm. was great offensively. He could shoot the puck through a wall, but he could have a hard time defending night to night. That yep. doesn't happen anymore. Sergey really learned how to defend, and Sergey was really a primetime player for probably 10 to 12 years in the league. And I would say that he, him being on that staff, and I think that's a big tribute to Jimmy Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and Rick Tockett. That makes a big difference here, too. You know, that, that just and just a little sidetrack, Pierre, but it's related here, is in Boston, you know, a lot of times the readers comment in my comment section on Boston Hockey Now where I cover the Bruins, and um, they're very hard on Charlie McAvoy. And they'll always say, well, he's not worth the money. He's overrated. Look, at he doesn't have enough points and all this. And that's, what, you know, you're just talking about that right now. How key is it right now for these young kids coming up, not just into the NHL, even coming up into the college or junior ranks to understand that's not what it's about being a defenseman. That's why we call it a defenseman. And it seems to me that that's kind of got lost because everybody's always worried about that beautiful play, that crisp pass or that nice blast in the point. And, and points for defensemen has become – too much of an obsession to me. And I think that's kind of why I see the hate here for, well, I want to say hate's a strong word, but kind of the lack of love uh, for Charlie McAvoy. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. So one of the real privileges I've had in my career early on coaching Hall of Fame players like Larry Murphy and Paul Coffey, Ulfie Samuelson didn't make it into the Hall of Fame, but he was a tremendous defender. Christopher mm-hmm. Pronger, who I had when he was a 19-year-old in Hartford, I can't say enough good things about the way he developed. And one of the guys that really helped him was the late Brad McCrimmon. I remember going to Brad McCrimmon when Chris was a 19-year-old and saying his nickname was Beast. I said, Beast, you get a chance to have your own room on the road. Do you mind if I double you up and put you in with Chris Pronger? Nope. And, you know, the beast had this big gravelly voice. And he'd yeah. say, nope. He says, listen, I broke in Raymond Bork. I played with Mark Howe. I know Shel Sanderson. I can take care of Chris Pronger. And you know what? It was phenomenal, Jimmy. Wow. It really was. So wow. um, it requires that kind of uh, attention for younger players. Bruins fans will like this. Canadians fans and Red Wings fans and Hawks fans won't. Charlie McAvoy reminds me so much of Chris Chelios. So much. And, you know, listen, I don't say that lightly. Chelios, a Hall of Fame player, tons of respect for him. was part of a staff that played against him in the 1992 Stanley Cup final. We had a game plan for Chris. That's how good he was. We had mm-hmm. a game plan for a defenseman and eventually drove him nuts in the series. He got kicked out of game three because we drove him so nuts in that series. Uh, but I have so much respect for the way Chris played as a professional hockey player. He's phenomenal. I see eventually Charlie McAvoy evolving into that kind of player for the Boston Bruins. Well, it's interesting. You know, earlier this season, we were talking to Cam Neely here, and he was saying he sees a little Bork in McAvoy as well. And, and, and as you're talking about game planning for Chelios, you did the same thing for Bork. 
on those yeah. runs, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, no, Ray Raymond was special. I mean, you had to plan for him. He was a left-hand shot that usually played on the right side. Um, you had to take away his ice, especially in the smaller buildings. There's no question. But the thing about Charlie, and that's why I equate him a little bit to Chris, there's a physicality. There's an edge to his game. They're both right-hand shots. There's yeah. that skating component. There's the ability to log big minutes. Um, that's why I see them the same. But Cam's not wrong either. I mean, Raymond is as good as anybody I've ever seen over 34 years in the league. I just have so much respect for the way Raymond played and carried himself. Yeah, but I think it's good. You know, they need to keep this message going with the young kids coming in because it's yeah. not just about the points and and the show. It's it, you got to do the little things, and and the, and the other stuff will come, as we know. That's that's how you get there. So, uh, hopefully, for you young defensemen out there, you're listening to that. But let's continue on the Canucks here right now. Another thing you pointed out to me yesterday when we were brainstorming for today is look at the top scorers and point getters right now in the NHL, and oh, there's three of them on the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, Pet Pedersen's had an amazing start to the year. I can't say enough. Quinn Hughes leads all the defensemen in scoring. Uh, JT Miller, you look where he is. One of the things that I really like about what Vancouver's done, Jimmy, yeah, we talk about the Pittsburgh influence. Sam Lafferty, character player. Patrick Alvin and Jimmy Rutherford, they drafted him out of Deerfield Academy out in Western Massachusetts. He went to Brown University, didn't put up big numbers, but they believed in his energy and his skating. He's in Vancouver now. Ian Cole, part of two Stanley Cup winning teams in Pittsburgh, he's in Vancouver right now. Casey DeSmith, part of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, both when Jimmy and Rick were there, he's now uh, in Vancouver. Teddy Bluger, another former Pittsburgh Penguin, he's in Vancouver. So the list is endless, and what I like about what they've done is most of those players, all of them actually are character people, and then you go out and add a huge person in Carson Soucy. You bring in Mark Friedman, who was eventually part of the Pittsburgh organization as well after some time in Philly, and the guy that's really stepping up here this season, and last year it really hurt because he was injured, Ilya Mikheyev. He is yes. in, he's a tower of power. That guy's big. He can skate. He can get points. The Toronto Maple Leafs missed that player last year a ton. And they really did. Vancouver really is benefiting with him being in the lineup. Yeah, it's funny. I go on a uh, a weekly gambling podcast uh, called The Ice Guys, Pierre, and one of the guys, the host, Ian Cameron, every week he is pounding Milikov. Get him in there. Get him in there. This guy's a point machine. He's a tank. Get get on that guy right now before Vegas figures out how good he is because they haven't yet. You can get great value on him. It's hilarious. But – He's one of those underrated players. You bring up Lafferty too, Pierre. I I talked to somebody at Toronto organization, and they did not want to have to let him go. I mean, he was a he was a difference there. You know, in the late pickup they made there, uh, like you said, a character guy, a hustling guy, kind of a guy like the teams like you know, I'd say the Edmonton Oilers could use a little of that right now. You know, we spoke about them the other day. Those middle, you know, mid six guys that. Are undervalued, but when it comes down to it, when it comes to the playoffs, those are the guys that you need to advance. There's no question about it. And I have again so much respect for this young man that not everything was handed to him. He went to an elite prep school, went to Brown University, really did his time, had to start down in the American Hockey League in Wilkesbury, Scranton, did a tremendous job there, gets called up to the Penguins, eventually gets traded, gets traded again. So he goes. Pittsburgh, Toronto, Chicago. I mean, he's – or Pittsburgh, Chicago, Toronto, then out to Vancouver. Yep. But you know what, Jimmy? He, he's energy. He's coachable. 
He mm-hmm. plays big, even though he's not huge, he plays big and he can energize the bottom part of your lineup. And that, those are the guys that are really valuable when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. I know our mutual friend, Kevin Stevens was a big fan of him as well uh, from the Pittsburgh connection there for sure. You look at that defense as a whole right now, Pierre, I, I think too, a lot of people, you, you brought up some of the guys they have on there, but the, the Gonchar effect is, is in effect there. I mean, you look at the way they can, they can move the puck greatly, but they get back and, and they do their job in their own end. The whole team right now, to me, just seems to really be in sync. And I, I just bring that all back to the guy we were talking about in the beginning, Rick Tockett. What is it about Tockett that makes him a good coach to you? you you've, you've worked with him as his coach, but you've also known him as a, as a coach himself. What motivates him? What does he get across to the players that makes it click? His first NHL coach was Mike Keenan, standards personified. If you didn't do it Mike's way, you sat out. And there's a great story of two Toronto guys going back to play in Maple Leaf Gardens when Mike was coaching Rick and Peter's, the late Peter Zezel. Um, he said, you guys don't want to do it my way? Good, this is what we're going to do. In the old Maple Leaf Gardens, right by the visiting dressing room, and I've been there many times, the Zamboni would come out. And Mike made those two Toronto guys change in the boiler room right next to the dressing room. And then he didn't let them play. Um, so I think right from the start, um, Peter, you know, you, the late Peter Zezel had a lot of time for a lot of respect for, and, and Rick Tockett, they learned standards early on. And I think for Rick, it's a carryover. One of the things that I really can tell you helped Rick being around Mario Lemieux, being around Kevin Stevens, being around Ronnie Francis, uh, being around Joey Mullen, being around Ophie Samuelson, being around Scotty Bowman you learn a lot about winning when you're around those people. And I think after coming out of Philadelphia, Rick learned a lot about winning. And I think that's a big part of your message going forward when you're a coach, Jimmy, in the National Hockey League. Yeah, he's really made a good comeback there. Well, listen, we were talking about them being one of three uh, surprisingly you know, great stories here. Yeah. Another one we want to talk about, Pierre, is the Winnipeg Jets. And this is a, a team that, you know, last year and even through the offseason – became a tire fire. I mean, they, they were the ultimate mess of teams in the NHL. Things were just chaotic there. And, and it, you know, it seemed like there was no relationship between the players and the coach. There was, it wasn't a good relationship within the locker room between players. And then all of a sudden they've quietly got off to a great start and nobody's talking about Kyle Connor right now, who, you know, if the season ended, would be the front runner for the Rocket Richard. I mean, well, nobody's talking about this guy right now. There are only two players in the league that have 13 goals, Kyle Connor and Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews is getting tons of headlines like he should because he's that good yeah. a player. Kyle Connor is shredding it right now. Every time he touches a puck, he's a threat to score. Last year he had 47 – or two years ago he had 47 goals. That's a career year for him. Mm-hmm. On pace right now to almost be over 80. No, he's not going to do that. Yeah. But it's it's amazing to watch. Hats off. Rick Bonus had to step aside as the head coach because his wife's going through some health stuff right now. And, and we're thinking mm-hmm. about Rick and his family situation. Great, man. Body Arneal's gone in there and done a really good job, Jimmy. And, you know, you look at Brad Lauer, who was brought in as an assistant coach there. Marty Johnston, who was brought in as assistant coach there. And, Jimmy, here's the biggest thing of all. We were talking about goalie tandems. We all mm-hmm. know Connor Hellerbuck's really good. Laurent Brossois has been excellent for them when he's had a chance to play in Winnipeg. So there's another example of a tandem. And we talk about forgotten goalie coaches, Bobby Essence, a former Winnipeg Jet, by the way, Bobby Essence in Boston. Nobody talks about Wade Flaherty. 
Wade Flaherty, the goalie coach of the Winnipeg Jets, has been there a real long time. Yep. That guy's done fantastic work. Look at Connor. Ask Connor Hellebuck, who's really helped you a lot. And I guarantee he's going to tell you Wade Flaherty. You know, and, and you look at the way they're going right now, right? And I think a lot of people were taken aback, Pierre. I was one of them. I texted you immediately and said, what the hell is Shevel Dayoff doing? When he extended Hellebuck and Shifley, now I'm starting to maybe see it. Now I'm starting to see where, you know, there must have been some powwow or something where they got together with these guys before the season and they said, look, we believe in you. We think you can take it to the next level here, but do you? I mean, I, I imagine something like that had to happen. I don't know if you have any insight on it, but those two guys look rejuvenated. And obviously a, a nice contract like that is going to help, but they look they look like they're playing for the contract here as opposed to have just signed it. So when you're running an NHL team, it's so important, Jimmy. You have to be an expert on your team. Everybody can have a thought on your team, but if mm -hmm. you're the manager, you need to know more about your team than anybody else. And I think Kevin Sheveldayoff is a perfect example of a GM that knows more about his team than anybody else. And so I'll give you an example. One guy we don't talk about enough, especially this year, he's not going to have the weight of all this Norris Trophy talk. Josh Morrissey, he's coming off a of forest this game last night. He's been great. Neil Pionk just played his 400th game. That He was part of the compensation for Jacob Truba coming to New York. Pionk yep. goes the other way. He's been tremendous for them. You look at the size in their defense. Logan Stanley's really starting to evolve. Brendan Dillon's always been a really solid, big, robust, physical defenseman. Dylan DeMello. So I can go down the line. So defense is a part of it. The goaltending's part of it. But they have a young first-round pick from the 2020 draft, Cole Perfetti. Mm -hmm who's really starting to evolve, Jimmy. I'm telling you right now, and if he gets going offensively, look out. Winnipeg is one of the best stories early on before the 20-game mark in the National Hockey League. Full value to all of them in Winnipeg. Yeah, for sure. And, again, we do send, you know, send our love out to Rick Bonus there, too. And also, you know, Pionk, to have to deal with what he dealt with. He was good friends with Adam Johnson. He came right back and contributed for the team. Uh, so props to him as well. All right, this is a team I want to talk about, Pierre. I know where you're going. I'm so glad we're doing this. Go you ahead. know, well, it's, I've got a connection to it. I mean, I, look, I'll give you a funny story about Greg Cronin, the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. So I want to say it was about seventh grade, maybe eighth, junior high school. <laughs> I come home one day, and I've got a shiner. And Greg Cronin, his brother Donnie, and their sister Margaret, late sister Margaret, God bless her, lived behind me. They used to babysit me all the time. So – I was out shooting pucks in the backyard. On, we had a basketball court. We'd set up the hockey net and shoot pucks. And they came out and they looked like, what the hell happened to you? I said, well, you know, this guy's been bullying everybody. He got the best of me. And he's, he, you know, I don't know what to do. He's, he's like twice my size, guys. He goes, oh, we'll show you what to do. Come on. So they bring me downstairs in the basement. They start making me go at the punching bag. And they, we start sparring. And we, we must have spent three hours there, Pierre. And they, they put a little beating on me. They toughened me up, but they, they showed me what I had to do. Went back, took care of the kid. He never bothered me again. And, and I credit Greg Cronin for that. And look, I think that's kind of what he's brought. The reason I bring that up is the Anaheim Ducks have been getting bullied for a while now by the league. They've been getting bullied by the fans and the, the media as a joke. And now they've got his mentality transforming through their lineup right now. And, and I think he's had a great effect on them. And a lot of – they had skill already. But th they're starting to believe as a team. And you can see it, Pierre, and it, it's paying off in spades right now. 
Well, Greg Cronin and his brother, two of the best hockey players, at least the toughest players that ever played at Colby Get College. In. I'll tell you, well, but also Colby yep. College. Yep. Um, those rivalry games, Bowden Colby would be back in the day, were phenomenal. My yeah. brother Ryan played in those games, so that's how I know that the Col the um, the Cronin brothers were a big part of it. But you look at it, you talk about the influence of Greg, and you're spot on, Jimmy. You really are. Don't forget the little ball of hate that's a general manager, Pat Verbeek. Yeah, perfect you know, I, I coached Patty for two years, and, and uh, I was in training camp with him as a player in New Jersey, and I can tell you right now, he's not a very big guy, but he knows how to get the job done, and, and he's, yep. I think, quietly done a fantastic job trying to rebuild Anaheim on the fly. If the playoffs started today, Winnipeg we talked about already, and Anaheim we're talking about now, both would be in the playoffs. But here we talked about certain players. You talked about Kyle Connor, and you couldn't have been more right. Don't forget in Anaheim, Frankie Vitrano. Frankie Vitrano. I just yeah, just to put it. I don't. You know, I like to do the eye test rather yes. than the numbers. So he passes the eye test 100. percent Let's just take a little cursory look at his numbers, Jim. Just to just to show you, last year he played 81 games, did 22 goals, 19 assists, 41 points, but he was minus 29, minus 29. This year he's played 15 games, 11 goals, five assists, 16 points, plus six. Wow. So I'm just saying right now, you want to talk about a player that's really transformed himself from being a negative drain on the team, a defensive mm -hmm. in particular. Watch how many turnovers Frankie Vitrano creates. Watch how many times he drives to the net and either opens up a lane for himself or the player is about to pass. Shot is the most underrated part of this game, how hard he shoots the puck and yep. how well he can skate. So, you know, <laughs> he's a tremendous – I'm bullish on what Anaheim's doing right now, and they're getting it done too. Let's remember, no Jamie Drysdale. They just lost Trevor Zegers to injury. Um, and Zegers has had an awful start to the year, and I think a big part of that is injury. Troy Terry's had a great start. Mason McTavish, great start. But I love watching what Anaheim's doing right now. Leo Carlson is a tremendous rookie player. Oh yeah, it, unreal, unreal. And and don't forget, uh, I'm going to murder his name here, Mintyukov. Pavel Mintyukov. Yeah, what a pickup he's been. Nineteen-year-old first-round pick defenseman. He's the real McCoy. He can play. He can really yeah. play. You know, Pierre, I I remember Frankie when he was here with the Bruins playing here. And Cassie used to say that to me. He's like, if this kid could just get it going in his own end, he would be such a great all-around player because he's got the gifts offensively. Everyone knew that. I mean, you watch him at UMass. He was scoring left and right. And by the way, I, I hope our uh, friends at Antonio's Pizza in Springfield are watching. And you know that's his parents' place. Yes, yes, yes. Mass, yeah. So if I, when, I, when I lived in Springfield, I used to frequent there a lot. Um, but, yeah, he's just turned around. He's bought in. and But he's not the only one, like you said. So they're a great story. And, how about Gibson? We were talking about goalies. And you tandem. 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 Yeah. And John Gibson. Both yes. of those guys have been phenomenal. So it's a trend in the league, and you are spot on to start the show with that. Yep. The biggest trend in the league right now is if you really want to win long term, you got to have two guys that can play. Right. You can't have one. You got to have two. And, and look at the way it's rejuvenated goalies that a year ago, Pierre, were making trade requests. Wanted to get the hell out of Dodge from their teams. Yeah. Their careers were going down. And, and now, all of a sudden, it, well, you know, I've got a little something to lean on here. This guy's going to push me. It's helped both of them. It's helped Hellebuck, and it's helped, it's helped Gibson in Anaheim. So I, I think it's great to see that, you know, these veteran goalies that had the star power aren't 
you know, they don't let the ego take over. They're, they're, they're embracing this and they're saying, it's okay. I don't have to be the guy like you were talking about Warren Verdor playing 60 games. I'm better off doing this. I'm better off with the, with the system I'm in right now. And it, it has, it's rejuvenated them for sure. No question about it. I think it's a big trend. General managers and directors of player personnel really need to pay attention to Jimmy. I hear we're going to switch gears here, Pierre. Uh, you were at a, a women's game last night, Harvard and BU. How was that? Phenomenal. First win of the season for Harvard. Two evenly balanced teams, both staffs, BU and uh, Harvard, brand new coaching staffs. Uh, I really was impressed by the pace of the game. There was excellent goaltending. That's why we saw only four goals in the game, three for Harvard, one for BU. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the biggest thing is the skill level year to year to year continues to improve. And I, what blew me away about the game uh, was the tempo. The te there were a lot of turnovers both ways, and that leads to tempo. And I thought that was a fantastic part of the game. Yeah, I mean, the women, I mean, look at, obviously the women's game has improved so much now that we have a finally a, a solidified uh, PWHL league starting up soon. Um, Pierre, I know they're getting a little flack right now for the whole uniform reveals because they can't commit to emblems yet. Or so. I don't know the whole deals, but it was, it was a big thing on Twitter. But who cares? People should celebrate the game. Forget about little stuff like that. Women's hockey is here to stay, Pierre. And I know you've been following this game as it's risen and as it's gained more popularity and as women have really embraced the game of hockey. You know, I'll never forget being a young coach at Babson College and Steve Sterling ran all the Babson hockey schools back then, the former coach of the New York Islanders, Providence College and Babson College. He's a scout now for Ottawa. And he and I worked together and we used to put a ton of women through the camps every year. And you could see the back then they were young ladies and you could see the growth and the development in their games. And one of the players we had who's gone on to have an amazing career, a gold medal winner, A.J. Malesko, we had her when she was probably nine or 10 years old at that camp uh, at Babson. And, and you, I remember a lot of the great players at the time were coming through. But to me, the biggest thing is the other day I was checking in at the Hall of Fame at the Western Hotel, Jimmy, Jana Hefford, who's a senior vice president of hockey operations for the new women's league. We, her energy levels are so good. She's so passionate about right. this. She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist. She's a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. She got in 2018. I had such a nice chat with her talking about where the game is going. And what you touched on before, finally just have one league. Everybody's going to focus in on it. The development's going to be fantastic. It's just great for the sport. And I will do anything. And I know this show will do anything we can to help. Sure. Really and, and Ryan Burke. Uh, I mean, having him on board, you, you can't ask for a better guy. He's a great ambassador to the game. And Pierre, it's funny, you know, we, we talked about, you know, bringing us up on the show today. And last night uh, in the pregame for the Bruins game, Nesson did a special on the, I never knew about this team. This is amazing. The 1987-88 Northeastern women's hockey team, 26-0-1. They won the ECAC championship in the Beanpot title. I don't know. I mean, you can you know college hockey better than me, Pierre, but I don't know many men's teams that have had a record like that. No, no, I can't think of one, actually. Um, what's really cool for the women's game this year, not just on the pro side, but on the college side, it's the first time they're going to play the bean pot, the women's bean pot at TD Bank. 
That's so right. It's, it's going to be awesome to watch. I've already been out. I've watched Boston College play a couple times. I've seen BU play. I've seen Harvard play. I'm going to go watch Northeastern play a couple times. My buddy Jimmy Madigan's the athletic director over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a few years ago, I had the privilege of addressing their team before they went to the NCAA tournament uh, over at Northeastern. So I'm really excited about that. But I, one of the things, just for hockey fans out there, it's the first time that the ladies are going to have the opportunity to play at the big rink where the bean pot is played. And I I think that is going to be fantastic for the growth of the game. And and Pierre, excuse me for not checking out and doing my research before, but do they have a network, uh, TV network set up yet for the professional league? Nesson does some of their games. Okay. Some of their games, but no, not really a full on game presentation Mm -hmm. where it's on network TV. No, they don't. But Nesson, Nesson's been a very good partner to college hockey and a real good partner to uh, women's hockey in particular. Great. Well, listen, we're going to finish it off. we got uh, a couple questions. I mean, we only threw up the uh, the question, the way to reach us for the questions uh, shortly before this episode, but now we can do it. So if you're watching right now, you want to ask us some questions for the next episode, any episode going forward, you can reach us on Twitter at SickPodNHL, all one, all one word there, at SickPodNHL, or you can reach us by email at SickPodNHL itest at gmail.com. So those are the ways to reach us for questions. We got a couple right here. Uh, James Stefan, clearly a Habs fan. He's got the Canadian symbol in his handle on Twitter here. Wants to know, what do you think the Habs are cooking up right now, Pierre? A lot of good things. Um, Sean Monahan's had a great start to the year. Cole Caulfield's one of the most explosive scorers in the league. Uh, the development of Caden Gooley on defense has been tremendous for you. If you're a Canadians fan, um, I, I think the future is bright with, for Slavkovsky. Uh, it's just about getting him more reps right now. You know, you look at the development of Alexi Lafreniere in New York. Nice. It took three to four years, right? And now all of a sudden he's the talk of the town in New York. For Slavkovsky, he's only in his second year, and really he was hurt last year, so he didn't get a lot of opportunity to play. So I think the Kings are actually cooking up some great stuff. I love what Jeff Gordon did in New York. Um, and he's carried it over to Montreal. And I'm a huge Kent Hughes fan. I, I've known Kent a long time. I really respect how he did his business as an agent. And yeah. together, working together the, between the two of them, I think they can do some really good things. And for whatever reason, Marty St. Louis knows how to get his players' attention. Um, and his staff is really strong. Trevor Latowski is very good. Alex Burroughs really get, uh, has a handle on how to deal with the young players up front. And, and Stefan Robidaux has been tremendous with their defense. So, I think a lot of good things are being cooked up in Montreal right now. There's oh, one, one other thing. One yes. other thing. They may have the best prospect in goal outside of pro hockey. It's a young man by the name of Fowler at Boston College. And, Jimmy, if you haven't seen him play and you're a hockey fan, go. BC's got a great team, by the okay. way. Uh, They're 15 minutes you know, away. Greg, Greg Brown's done a tremendous job recruiting there in a short time. But you go watch this young man play. He's the real deal. He, he's a tremendous prospect in goal. And, and Pierre, one guy I want to give credit to, and I know he's a good friend of yours, and I hope sometime we can get him on the podcast here, is the owner, Jeff Molson. And I'll tell you why. When he went out and he got Hughes and Gordon, he brings them in, and then Marty St. Louis. I think one of you may disagree with me. I don't know. But one of the things I've noticed about the Canadians since I've been a reporter, so I started in the 0102 season. And it seemed to me it was just always like these recycled people there. Uh, it, you know, guys would come in, they get fired, they come back. 
And it was like, it was, there was just this click and they couldn't break free from it. And I'm talking with the hockey operations and the coaching and they couldn't break free from it. And Molson said, all right, enough. To me, it seemed like he just said, screw this. I'm going outside the box here. And that's exactly what he did. And I think it's going to pay off in spades because I'm with you. I think that tandem of Gordon and Hughes, when all is said and done, say five years from now, is going to be one of the best tandems. We talk about goalie tandems. They're going to be one of the best hockey ops tandems around. They treat their people really well in Montreal, and that's a reflection of the Molson family in particular. But the other thing, Jimmy, that I think is really important, Jeff identified the need to have a president of hockey operations. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, that wasn't the case in Montreal. Exactly. And then Jeff realized, I need one of those. And he went out and got a real good one in Jeff Gordon. Yeah, for sure. And we know what he did uh, with the New York Rangers as well. Finally, last question here. We are going a little longer than we planned, but who cares? We're having fun. Uh, Cold Blue, Manny from Terrebonne. You said you know where Terrebonne is, Pierre. Yeah. Uh, if in Quebec, but he is a Leafs fan. Uh, he's just asking a general question about hockey. Uh, if the playoffs were ca called like the regular season, would viewership improve? Would it become more like a best-on-best -best style of play like we see in the Olympics? Uh, I don't think viewership would improve. I think that the game is called appropriately in the playoffs. I think it's really important when you're a general manager building a team. You have to understand that it's not three on three in overtime in the playoffs. It's five on five. So, no you know, that makes a big difference. Um, there's more smash mouth component to playoff hockey than there is in the regular season. That's obvious because you can't game plan as stringently for the 82 games as you can for a seven game playoff series. And I think more than anything else, legacy really matters. And if you were to ask most people that have been in the NHL for a substantial amount of time, the legacy of this NHL is winning the Stanley Cup and how hard it is to win. Exactly. And I think hockey people really appreciate watching playoff games and how they're called and how tough it is. And Pierre, I would almost argue go the other way and bring more of playoff hockey into the regular season. But I understand it's a long 82-game season, like you said. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you were, you were doing TV forever. The, the ratings are a lot higher in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. So I don't right. think we need to change anything yeah. about the playoffs right now. No, the, the, the ratings um, in the playoffs for the National Hockey League have been phenomenal since NBC got them uh, in 2005, 2006. The first series we had was Edmonton versus Carolina. Not exactly must-watch TV in terms of population of both fan bases, but the rating for that year was really good. And then the second year, you have to remember, you build ratings with momentum, was Ottawa versus Anaheim, two more small markets. But where it really started to flip, Jimmy, was in the next year um, when you had Detroit and Pittsburgh back-to-back. -back. Exactly. So you had it in 08 and you had it in 09. And then Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you, Blackhawks. <laughs> everything just goes crazy. And then you had L.A. Um, and Chicago. And, you know, it was really it just started booming. But it, it really started to boom in 08 when you had uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit. Good stuff, Pierre. Well, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll uh, we'll get back to this on Friday and we'll we'll have some more great topics for you. And one thing, you know, we want I know a lot of people right now, Pierre, we talked about this, but we're going to wait till we start to gather a little more intel on this. Yes, we're aware of the proposed changes. Uh, to overtime that GM discussed. But from all I gathered, Pierre, was just kind of breaking the surface there, just kind of touching on it. It was a short meeting, three hours, I'm told. So when we get more into that later on in the season, maybe even by the time they have the next GM means, we'll have more to say about that. We want to thank the viewers uh, for watching us today. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. 
And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.